I think it's working now. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Smoke Eater podcast. I'm your host, Austin Kohler. Uh, we are finally back after a little bit of a delay over the holidays and the beginning of the new year. And my first guest of the year is Captain Ray Mannion. Uh, Cap, you want to come on in and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey everybody. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, Ray Mannion. Um, he, he pretty much said it. I'm currently a captain with a uh, metropolitan department, um, you know, in the state of Georgia. So we'll just go with that and let you guys figure it out from there. <laughs> um, I'm currently assigned to our hazardous material slash uh, heavy rescue unit for the city. So I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here and I hope everybody's having a great year so far. Let's uh, let's make it this. Let's make this year our year, year of the fire service. Hell yeah. Well said, Cap. So um, we were talking a little bit uh, before we we got started here, but I guess we will start in with just uh, the first question that I usually ask people, and we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes from there. Sound good? Yeah. I mean, I hope these are multiple choice. I did not study for this shit. That that's perfectly fine. There there is no there are no wrong answers. Uh, there are. <laughs> All right, All right. I'm going to hold you to that one. All right, let's do this. That's perfectly fine. All right, so the first one is um, just, I, I originally put the three best, the stories of the th- of your three best fires and the lessons that you learned from them. But, you know, it's hard to, I guess, really, I don't even know if I could come up with three, you know, the three best fires. So I'm, I'm changing it up a little bit. And now I'm going to do just, you know, if you can give us a story or two from some of uh, the fires that stick out in your mo- in your mind as uh, having had a positive, I guess, uh, outcome, um, and the 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 lessons that you that you learned from them. Wow, um, boy, three three fires or a fire that I mean, I, I try and learn something from from every fire that I go, through. and I know in today's world that's that's very cliche. Um, <laughs> But I really and truly do kind of I do try and look at it like that. Um, I'm uh, always a I'm the kind of person that I look at a situation and I kind of pick it apart. Sometimes almost to a fault. Um, and there there have been bad fires where it's almost kind of torn me up because I I took that to an extreme, and I I started to let that be kind of become negative. But uh, on a more po- positive side, I mean I've a uh, boy. Um, I really should have studied for this or prepared. Uh, I've been to a lot of fires, uh, and and I've had the pleasure of working with some really, really good people who took the time to invest in me and give me those skill sets and were patient with me and realized that we're, you know, not always the brightest crayon in the box. Um, my favorite flavor is purple, by the way. Hell yeah. Delicious. That's a, that's a marine joke. Them purples is delicious. <laughs> uh, so, um, think here um huh. uh wow um it's a tough question right like, <laughs> that is that's a tough question that really is um like i said i mean i i i learned so much especially especially when i first came on because uh the apparatus that i'm assigned to as the uh the heavy rescue for the city um when I got assigned to that truck, uh, it's a six, it's six people, minimum staffing and three of the other, 
guys had everybody on that truck had 10 years or more on the job except me three of the other guys on the truck had 10 years on that apparatus and so i mean i literally just showed up to work every day with my eyes and ears open and my mouth shut and i didn't care if the senior fireman on that rig told me to bring the rear axle into the burning building with me i was going to figure out a way to get it in there because his word was gospel um I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, that's a tough one. Can we kind of circle back to that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, that's, yeah. no, 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 that's perfectly fine. Yeah, like uh, that, that's intensive. The two, I really only have um, two specific fire questions on, on the list. And it's, it's the, your three best and your three worst fires. So if you want to start thinking about that, um, and it's in terms of more so like just outcomes, learning things. Uh, tips and yeah. tricks that you picked up that that sort of thing not like you know it was great because i, I don't know we made it uh, or it was bad because somebody died or something like that it, it's not like it's a gray area sort of thing so really just to, if you could just think of a as we're talking i guess just think of a couple fires to you know where where you can think of some of the bigger lessons that you learned specifically from i guess uh, what something that happened on the fire whether it be positive or negative. Um, and we'll circle back to that. Okay. So, all right, here, here, a little bit easier. Uh, what, what's your favorite part of the fire service? Oh, my goodness. Um, the people. The, the people that uh, get to go in every day. And when I, you know, just, just people. Um, either the guys that are I'm relieving in the morning the guys that I had the pleasure of working with or the guys that are relieving me in the morning. Um, after four years of active duty in the Marine Corps in the late nineties, I got out right before September 11th happened. Um, I watched September 11th happen from a firehouse kitchen and I was 22 years old and I thought I had figured so much in life out. And, and by that, I mean, like I looked at this professional military organization and the way that they ran themselves. And I thought this cannot be right. This cannot be the way that this organization runs itself. And I walked away from it and I fell into the fire department. And one of the things that I realized shortly after getting into the fire department and then thusly about the Marine Corps was that the gold mine that I sat on was the people to my left and my right. Um, in, in one light, you could look at them as being the absolute, you know, just biggest <laughs> dirtbags on the planet. But when the <laughs> chips were down, nothing they weren't going to do for you or one another. And I very quickly realized what that gold mine was for me in the fire service. And I, that I, because I had walked away from it in the Marine Corps. Um, I ended up going back into the Marine Corps and I uh, had a, a very very um positive experience into it because i realized the real the real treasure was the the man to your left and the man to your right kind of thing and i've the for the fire service in a good company to me a good company can make up for the worst assignment you could be at the slowest house in your department you could get the trashiest details but if you're with the right crew you, every day you just you enjoy the most of it you know the crew that makes you laugh together that works together. Everybody has a positive attitude. Everybody comes in and says, you know, if I bear more than my fair share of the load, 
it makes everybody's job easier. And I, I enjoy being around people like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, the, sorry, I'm pressing weird things on here. I just realized I did not log out of my, uh, other departments, little NDT app, and I just keep getting updates. So, so look any jobs? Here you go. Uh, not not so far. Not so not so far. Hold on, let me. Totally. Uh, I am obviously not a professional at uh, this podcast thing, so bear with me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, anywho, so and uh, I'll cut all of that that out here. Once we're done, but so yeah, the, the, the people, you know, that that's by far my, my favorite part as well. I mean, the, obviously, you know, going with the jobs is fucking awesome, you know, and, and everything like that, but it, it, it really is the, the people, um, I mean, shit, I got on my desk right here, a picture of, uh, kind of my, my OG crew right there. Um, yeah, Right. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it really is just uh, exactly what you're talking about. Like it's, you know, you don't have to run, run your ass off and, or, or even if you do run your ass off, like just having the right people around you. I, I couldn't imagine going to a one a slow house and not having, you know, a crew that gives a shit and a crew that you know is close knit does everything together. Um, that would be a really, really long, long 24 hours every single day. Like I don't, I don't see how anybody that goes into a situation like that actually stays on the job. Um, at the same time, I'm sure if you're getting your ass kicked, you know, running 20, 30 calls a day and everybody hates each other. I'm sure that's not really fun either. So I think that the people are the number one, uh, part of this job as well um yeah that's uh sorry i threw i threw myself off there when i when i went and did the little uh cut cut off uh because of all my notifications and shit i'm a hack and a fraud <laughs> uh bu- 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 your, your current crew how long have uh just in general how long have you guys been together not very long at all. Um, let's see here. We're looking uh, probably, um, I don't know, between six and eight months. Um, oh, I've been, shit. well, so what happened was when I got reassigned back to, to the rig um, this last time, uh, because of the out, uh, fallout of COVID, oh. we postponed a couple of promotional exams, uh, uh, lieutenant and captain, and then driver as well. And so when it finally broke loose and we were in a position to give those exams, everybody on that truck, except for me, was eligible and they all promoted to different levels. And but yeah, yes and no. But it put me in a great position because it gave me an opportunity to handpick. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I reached out to people that I know and I trust and. I've I've always been a firm believer that when it comes to picking people to come be a part of your crew, again, because it's all about the people, I recruit attitude, not skill. I can teach a lot of skill to the right attitude. Obviously, you got to be teachable, but that's a part of your attitude. Um, and again, you get guys that show up every day, 
This is what they want to do. And they realize the only easy day was yesterday. And today I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. If that's truly in their heart of hearts, it, it's okay, you know, because, you know, we're out there and it makes the days go by, but we're running two and three drills a day. Um, you know, we're doing technical rescue drills and then we'll do firefighter drills. We're throwing ladders. We're going out to the ventilation simulator, cutting holes um, because I've got to get these guys caught up. But it's good for me as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got a I've got a great crew. I really um, just super great, positive guys, and they're they are really meshing and bonding very well. I'm I have I've been actually very surprised at how quickly they're coming together and how quickly they're learning. That's awesome, and I bet you, I bet you, I've, I've noticed. Um, well, I haven't. Um, know handpicked a crew or anything like that and just kind of started from scratch we as the, the current cycle of the the fire service that we're in and so i'm sure you you've noticed it uh there's there's a lot of seniority leaving and uh a lot of uh, a lot of new guys signing up right um so i have had the i guess uh the privilege of having to train a lot of probies you know and uh, I think that that what you're talking about there, I, I know that there's going to be there are a lot of people out there that especially from busier departments like ours that, you know, like, oh, well, I don't need to train so much. I, I, you know, I can I can learn this on all this crap on the job. But I think that there's another benefit to the training like you're talking about that. And you kind of just hit on it where it forms that that team chemistry and that cohesion like a hell of a lot faster than if you just, you know, show up to work every day and just do the bare minimum. So uh, uh, I'm glad that you, you touched on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I had to look this one up. Somebody told it to me and I didn't believe it, but it's, it is actually the real, the real quote goes, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. We always say blood is thicker than water. Um, but uh, that's it. And it's that that, you know, that suffering and success together build your your cohesiveness. Um, but, you know, for a young guy like yourself and I say young guy and I, I don't mean that uh, in a derogatory way, but I try to tell my guys this, too. It's it's an unfair position to be put in when you don't feel like you're necessarily ready to start teaching the younger, newer members. But the positive side of that is, is you, you're you building up one guys that are loyal to you because you took the time to invest in them. You took the time where other people may have been too busy or just didn't care. And you're also building yourself up as that so-called subject matter expert. And so I try and tell my young guys, we get a, when we get somebody that's detailed to the station for the day, don't be afraid to spend a little time with them. Um, one chances are talking about a piece of equipment, a tactic, it only enhances your understanding of that subject. But in that guy's eyes, you will always be that dude who took the five minutes with him. And then when you make boss, that dude would sell his grandmother's soul to come and be a part of your crew because he already thinks so highly of you. You were the guy. And so I think it pays off dividends. It's an unfair burden to put on guys because I hear that all the time. It's like, you know, who, who am I? I've been here one day longer than that guy. Mm -hmm. Times, you know, if we keep sitting around and we keep waiting for that fire department Messiah, we we're it. 
We yep. are it. We're there. Nobody else is coming. Um, so, you know, find a way to be that guy. I dig that. That is, uh, I might end up using that one right there as the, uh, the little, the little show clip at the beginning of the show that, but no, you're absolutely right though. I mean, I've sounds selfish, but like I've seen and just by a few years on the job, having to do exactly what you just said, you know, um, take a younger guy under my wing and kind of show him the way, the, the way, the way that we typically do things is, and I'm sure y'all are similar. Um, you know, when you come in as a probie, generally the the driver of the house is usually the one that's kind of in charge of the overall molding, I guess, so to speak. Uh, but there, there's a senior, well, sometimes there's a senior firefighter, so to speak. Uh, that's actually one of our ranks, but in this term, I'm just speaking in terms of just the senior man sort of thing. Um, that kind of takes you and does exactly what you just said, basically the mentorship sort of thing. And I was lucky enough that I, I benefited from really thinking back on it, pretty much everyone I worked with uh, at the beginning, they just kind of took me under their wing, did exactly what I, I we send people off a lot, uh, you know, for the day I get sent off and somehow pretty much everywhere I went, there was always a dude that, was there to basically take care of me and show me the way. And um, I kind of, I learned, I learned what I was supposed to do and what was expected of me. But then also like, it was also um, kind of instilled in me that, okay, pretty soon you're going to have somebody coming up under you with an orange shield. And then it's now going to fall on you to do the same thing, kind of pay it forward sort of thing. Yeah. So I yeah. got lucky that it was just kind of like I didn't realize kind of all of this until maybe a couple of years ago. Um, one day it just kind of all clicked. I was like, oh, shit, there's like a reason that all of this is being done in the way that we do things. There's all purpose behind it. <laughs> and it all boils down to that next man up mentality and building the team cohesion and everything like that. Um but I, so I was really fortunate that it was all just kind of ingrained in me. Uh, so you were able to articulate um, exactly kind of what just popped into my head when I figured that out way better than I could have. So I appreciate that. Uh, but it, One thing, it uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. One thing uh, I'd also onto that too, is that that's not exclusive. Like, like I, I'd like to acknowledge those guys that when you were detailed out of firehouse for the day, took care of you and showed you something. I, I'd like to tip my hat to them because I think that's important too, that guys got to remember, and we got to get back to doing that. When a guy gets detailed to your station for the day, he's a guest and you got to treat him as such. And if he's willing to learn and he's willing to not smash his ass in a recliner and he is willing to listen to you, you have the highest moral obligation in that short window to pump him up with as much information as possible. And so we got to, we got to do a better job of that too. Cause so often, you know, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, you get a guy detailed to the firehouse for a day and guys are just like, eh, he's not part of the crew. He ain't one of us. And be like, no, but maybe one day, and, you know, again, you, you know, a little investment goes a long way. So I just, I wanted to acknowledge those guys and uh, you know, anybody that may be listening to this, you get a guy that comes to your firehouse for a day, you know, don't think twice about it, get out there and show him something. Hell yeah. And, and at the, you know, the worst comes to worst, like 
like you said, you doing that, all it does is it it solidifies and reinforces all those things that you've learned. So it's going to help you in the long run, one way yeah, or the other. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Even yeah. if the guy doesn't pick up, doesn't take anything back from it, you know, I mean, shit, you're going to get at least a little bit better at your job and there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I've been of the mentality as well that, especially for real, real new guys that just have no idea what the fuck's going on. Like, you know, it with with I've I'm of the mindset that as you you move up in the ranks or in your responsibilities, like we have a relief driver position, an AOIC position, um, and then, you know, of course, our ranks are driver, operator, captain, that sort of thing. But as you move up, uh, I, I'm definitely of the mindset that the responsibility to, you know, make sure that these guys are prepared falls on you, right? Um, so I would honestly kind of feel like a masterpiece of shit if the guy came in, and, you know, I knew he was a fresh-faced orange shield just out of the academy and he's been out for two or three weeks and his crew finally sends them off and he, he knows literally nothing like, and then we go and something happens to, we, we get a job or, or even a med, a med call or some shit, something bad happens. And I could have taken, you know, 10 minutes out of my day to prepare this guy to possibly avoid that. Like and yeah. I, I would just feel like shit and like I fail at some point on that part. I just um, know that that'd be a tough one to live down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh I just I don't know. You know, not everybody I I I'm sure that there's different opinions and whatnot, but I'm I, I'm right there with you on you know, guy comes over, he he's your guy for the day. I can try try to make the best of it, right? Bingo. It's yep. more it's more fun too, just like like nobody wants the awkward guy in the corner because he feels all like you know, he's not a part of things, so he's going to be all shy and shit. And then, like, yeah. it's just weird for everyone. Just now, nah, bring him in. It's fine. Yeah. You know? Never know. He may be like the world's greatest firehouse cook, and you just unlock the key to, the, to that. But in the other side of that is, too, is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're always recruiting, you're always on the lookout for possible, you know, replacements for your guys as they promote. Um, you know, you can usually tell within about 30 seconds if a guy's about the job or not. You know, and if not about the job he's just there to get the paycheck he's got the t-shirt he got the sticker thank you for your service you know no you don't have to waste your time on him because he's not he's not there for the right reasons so don't waste your breath um yep. you know thing you don't you don't go toe-to-toe trying to argue tactics with somebody that doesn't care about the job you're just wasting yeah. your breath uh what's that expression you know to to those who get it, no explanation is needed to those who don't get it no explanation will ever suffice so, you know, you get that young guy and he's got that spark and give a little bit. And then, you know, if you're the boss or you talk to your boss and you're like, hey, if we ever get an open, that was a good kid. You know, I think we could do him. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, fill, fill up your bench, you know. You bench. Bench. Fill up your bench. Like, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee right quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is fun, by the way. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah, you know, everybody, especially especially the, the more senior guys such as yourself, uh Ooh, easy. they're always yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 always a little bit wary. Um because you know technology scares us. Yeah. Te- technology scares the old folks and <laughs> <laughs> now that and like 
I think that there's some people out there that might be doing podcasts for the wrong reasons or they're trying to like sell their training cadre or some shit. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you know the backstory of why I wanted to do this in the first place? Uh, well, I talked to uh, Jay a little bit, um, like, you know, and it, uh, yeah. I think he kind of instigated all this, uh, you know, a he little did. bit. He did. Um, and then that, you know, informational, you know, kind of what to expect thing that you sent me. But no, I don't really know the, the true backstory. So um, I, this was never supposed to be like a podcast podcast, right? It was uh, I was sitting around with, with my guys over at uh, Station 6 just kind of fucking around the office or something like that when the idea came to my head. We, we had a guy that was just an absolute fucking unit of a fireman, just absolute legend, Rodney Heindel, who... Uh, for for everyone that's listening that knows Rodney, um, I'm going to go ahead and tease it, but he'll be I'll be recording with him on Monday, so I'm really fucking excited about that. But this guy, absolute legend of a fireman. You put you pull up a dictionary, he, he then fireman. It's just a picture of him, right? That sort of guy. Um, and he was getting ready to retire, right? And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, shit, you know, we've got a whole shitload of people getting ready to retire. Like literally like all of our seniority is just like, all right, well, bye guys. Good luck. Um, because then I guess it's that cycle or whatever, whatever, for whatever the reason is all pretty much everybody's leaving. So I was like, damn, you know, like I've learned a lot from Rodney just uh, for a little backstory on him. He, was stationed at my uh, my old station for a really long time uh, as a as a when he was a proby and a rookie. Then he went about his career and everything, and uh, he wound up in the training academy for the last few years. <clears throat> and the training academy is right down the road from that uh, station six. So he lives in Alabama. And, you know the, the academy staffs the the forty hour work week thing, so he would come over for dinner a lot. Um, and then he would stay the night at the station rather than driving all the way back to Alabama. So I, I got to learn a lot just from doing things like what we're doing right now. Like he did train me with my basic firefighter training and all that. But, you know, he's one of those guys that I got to, you know, start learning what it means to be like a real fireman sort of thing just by having dinner and, you know, sitting around the coffee table, listen, just listening to what he had to say. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, we're about to lose all this stuff. Maybe I could go and, uh, I don't know, sit down with these guys before they leave and just, like, record some shit on my phone. And then we could keep it as some sort of, you know, just ask, like, some of the lessons that they've learned and things like that. And we could keep it, you know, in, like, a file on a computer and just uh, use for our probies and our rookies and stuff in the future. So that way all that knowledge because I mean, yeah, they pass it down to guys like we've been talking about, but once they're gone, I mean, dudes, yeah, you can call them up from time to time, but pretty much all that 30 years of fire experience is like, all right, deuces. So I wanted to be able to keep uh, a little something that we could keep learning from um, before they left. And that, that's kind of what started as, and then we started joking about how, you know, you can make a, a podcast out of it and all this stuff. And I was like, oh shit. I mean, 
maybe I could, right? And I didn't want it to be um, like just a cab centric, so to speak, which, you know, it's been kind of hard to do. You're, you're the second non-decab person, I think, uh, that's come on, but <laughs> because all the, all the people I know are, you know, from decab, but, um, so I'm kind of branching out here a little bit, but that, that's kind of the, uh, the general backstory of it. It was, it was just kind of just you're hanging out. I was thinking I was going to like record some shit on my phone and, you know, put it on the station computer. That'd be that. But that kind of looked into how to make a podcast, bought some basic shit and here we are. Dude, that's freaking awesome, man. I'm glad you're doing it, you know, moving that proverbial needle, like you said, and you're doing it for the right reasons. It's not to, uh, it's not to push, you know, your, your, your style of trucker hat or a t-shirt or a training, you know, cadre. Um, that's awesome. Nothing against those guys that are doing that, but you know, you know, like you said, just bare bones, hard nosed firefighting, you know, let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep mm. those, those lessons learned fresh in people's minds. That's awesome. Yeah, now I want people to remember that this is a blue collar job, you know, and it's always going to be a blue collar job. And, and yeah. hopefully, I think that's <laughs> some of the most important things that we can do is like, I mean, shit, we just talked about, just pass it on to the next guy. Bingo. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's the whole backstory behind the thing. It's not, and I tell guys too, like, I don't, you know, I, I'm just trying to talk to, to experience firemen and get a good conversation out of it and learn something myself from, from a lot of this. It's, you know, I'm not, I'm by no means anywhere close to any of the uh, level that, that these dudes that have been doing it for 25, 30 years are at. So I'm, I'm here learning too. So it's, it's good for me, you know? Um, that being said, have you given any thought to the fire questions at all, or should we keep moving down the uh, the list here? <laughs> so I guess one of the things is, is because of my assignment, I don't just do fires. I do, uh, I do, you know, technical rescue, heavy, heavy rescue, uh, and hazmat as well. And I've, um, I've had some pretty good experiences on those too. And I was thinking, you know, I, I just, I don't know why this incident is always out of my mind and it's not really a lesson learned or anything like that, but it's always this one incident. And I, it's, we were on like a, I think it went like two or three alarms and it was on the North side of the city where all of our money is at. And it was a Christmas party and somebody I think had thrown like a cigarette down in, into like a track or on like a back porch. Anyways, long story short, multi-million dollar house on fire, burning to beat the band. And it's just a shit show. It's cold. All uh, the neighbors are out. It's it's just, it's bad. And um, it's not getting better. And dispatch comes across and asks if we're in a position that we can break away. And uh, we're like, uh, you know, my captain at the time is like, yeah, you know, what do you got for us? Let's roll. Well, we were we were pinned in. And uh, we couldn't get the apparatus out. My driver had to basically hop the curb and go through somebody's yard. And there was a stop sign in the way. And I ran up to the stop sign and I yanked the stop sign out of the ground. <laughs> and truck drives past me and I'm standing there holding this stop sign post in my hands. And I'm like, when somebody runs this stop sign that's no longer here and dies, 
what are, you know, what, how am I responsible for this? This is not going to be good. It's a residential neighborhood. If I'm laying this thing back on the ground, the guys are yelling, let's go. And I'm trying to like prop it up so people can still see the direction that it was supposed to be facing. Um, run, get into the truck. And uh, the call that we were going to was a uh, parking deck, not far from where we were at in that fire. I think five or six stories up in a parking deck, a guy had literally managed to drive his vehicle outside of the parking deck, like five stories up. Um, I've got pictures of it. I can, I can send you later. Uh, he got pinned by the like steel cable, um, that were basically like the exterior walls. And he's, you know, he's in the car by himself. He's unconscious and he's, he's dangling outside of this building. And I mean, it was just an awesome call to be a part of, um, good friend of mine they decided we were gonna we, we secured the vehicle to interior columns get the guy out we were gonna have to do a top side lower a rappel down and so they picked one of the smaller guys on the apparatus on a, on a different apparatus great dude super great guy but he's small in stature this was not a small victim or patient nah. so they ladder the they put a aerial up underneath um in the alleyway to the driver's side door. And I had always worn a harness on my gear, like a gym tar. And they were calling for somebody to go up the aerial. And I had ran up and down this, this, you know, parking deck, you know, five or six times getting equipment up, trying to secure this vehicle. And my captain looked at me and was like, Ray, go get on the tip of that aerial and help Rodney get that guy out of that car. And I'm climbing this aerial and my knees are about to give out underneath me. One, I'm tired, <laughs> nervous, I'm tired. At this point, all these surrounding buildings, everybody's out on their balconies. They're cheering us on. Rodney has to get lowered in through the passenger side window because that was the window that was upright as this vehicle is pinned to the, you know, to the side of this building. And, you know, I'm standing on the top rung. And this vehicle is making the most god-awful sounds. And every couple of seconds, you know, it'll do like, it'll settle into what we've anchored it with. And uh, when we finally got that guy loose, got him harnessed up and out, back up through, um, out, you know, and the crowd was cheering and everything. I mean, it felt like it was a real win. You know, like this was a, this was a good rescue. Um, it was a good, good call. It was solid work from everybody around. But my legs were absolutely shot after that. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Just that adrenaline dump. I said the five or six times I had ran up that parking deck. Um, and that was a, that was a great call. I was really happy to be a part of it. Um, and I've been a part of some other really big rescues. You know, a few years later, we uh, ended up doing a pickoffs off of um, two, uh, two window washers. Bank of America building. Mm -hmm. um, two window washers. Their, uh, their, their system that they had used had failed on them. So we had to go to the absolute roof and uh, do the lower. And uh, the captain told me to come up with him. Um, he wanted, you know, my input on it. I've done a lot of rope rescue instruction, been a part of the rescue team for a while. And uh, on the way up, I uh, I told him, I said, if we got to send somebody over the edge, I got you. And uh, that was a little bit of me being selfish as well. Uh, I had already taken my lieutenant's test. The promotional list was out. I was getting promoted in two weeks. We oh, don't shit, yeah. You got to get it. You got to get it in one more time. This is my opportunity. This is my last opportunity. 
well, we get the rest of the team up there. We come up with a game plan. We see what the, you know, the threat level is. Uh, yeah, we, we come up with a game plan. The captain asks, anybody want to go over the edge? Go on rope. And I kind of cut my eyes over to him. And I was like, like, is he messing with me right now? I already told him I got him. And uh, another fellow raised his hand. I slowly raised my hand. He looked at the other fellow and he says, all right, harness up. And the point of all this is, is I was really tore out of the frame out of it. And um, the guy, that, that captain and I are actually really good friends. We've always been really good friends. But I was tore out of the frame over um, until he came to me and he told me he was in over his head. The captain was in over his head and he wanted my experience level up on the rooftop with him, not down there on the rope where if something went wrong topside, I was of no use. And uh, it was a bitter pill to swallow, but, you know, when I thought about it and I knew he had no reason to lie to me and, and, I, and I thanked him for his honesty and it, that kind of actually made me feel better, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's just pure, it was pure selfishness what it was. I just wanted to be that guy, you know, that, yeah. that was, that was going to be my big rescue. That was the one. I had been hung on a rope plenty of times, but nothing of that magnitude, nothing, you know, the tallest building, you know, in the Southeast rescue one. Um, guy ended up doing a great job, went off flawlessly. Um, so obviously I wasn't necessarily the only guy for that. That was just purely, um, so, you know, just, just some, some of the better calls that stick out of my mind and some of the lessons so, learned. So, like real, I, real, 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 real quick cap. Um, uh, I just want to, want to interject real fast because both, both those stories, I think touched on some pretty, it's pretty uh, solid lessons from, for at least from what I heard. Obviously, they're they're badass stories in general. But the the parking garage one, what I kind of got from that is y'all's, and I'm sure that with the technical rescue aspect of things, you have to do this a lot. But everything that you just described was basically, you know, don't be a checklist firefighter sort of thing. Um, it sounds like that, you know, y'all were able to think out, had to think outside of the box a lot um, on both those calls. And I think that that's kind of a huge lesson um, that a lot of guys could benefit learning from is that, you know, yeah, there's, I guess, the technical right way and book way to do things and whatnot. But so much of this job boils down to living in that gray area and um, just fucking grittiness and thinking outside the box. So that that's kind of what I got from that, that first, that first story. I mean, uh, would, would you agree, disagree, anything like that? Well, I do. I agree with you wholeheartedly that the fire service, if you're doing it right, is really in the gray. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many different, uh, situations and scenarios that policy cannot account for. Even best practices can't always account for. All you can do is, make the right decision at the time and sometimes you don't realize it's the right or wrong decision because you're literally at a cross you can go left right or go straight or hell even back up if you want but sometimes you don't realize you went the wrong way until after you've committed to it and you realize all right guys we're going to back up and go the other way the wrong way no but i, I do agree with you, but the reason i tell those stories is because Instead, I mean those are ones that really stick out of my mind some of the better fires i guess they stick out of my mind um, but it's, it's kind of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's kind of like the intangibles. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how I would express it. And I'm sure you had the same way where like, there was just great fires. Everything was firing on all cylinders. 
you know, it was that perfect combination of just that that gritty, soupy, thick smoke pushing down the hallway. And, you know, you're knocking that search out, you know, just crawling along. And you hear those ladders hitting the side of the building. And those saws fire up and just, yeah. And then you get that lift. And you just keep, you know, you're just still pushing. And then you see white smoke, the steam. And, you know, those engine guys are getting on it. Um, you know, we've all had those fires. And they, they, they go great. I just don't know how I would express the things that, you know, I necessarily took away from it. Um, yeah, some it's, it's hard. I found, I found, I'm sorry. No, no, no. One of, one uh, of my fires I can certainly talk about. Um, and the lesson learns, because to me, the lessons that I learned, they transcend the fire ground on that particular fire. And uh, I have a little bit of a tendency to kind of get emotional about it. Another all that. So it was Thanksgiving night, and uh, a fire a fire call came out, and uh, we got there pretty quick because it was only a couple territories over, and so m everybody on my apparatus has basically an assigned seat. My assigned seat was always the one directly facing backwards behind the driver. Uh, coincidentally, that was also the guy they gave the map book to, which made no sense in the world because uh, the world <laughs> first passed me at 60 miles an hour, and I'm trying to call out, all right, take your next left. I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, made all the sense in the world, but that was the junior man's seat, and that was one of the junior man's jobs. But it helped me get really familiar with the city. Um, anyways, we pull up on this, the parking brake gets pulled, everybody piles out of the truck, we're grabbing our assigned tools, and I look towards the fire building, which we were maybe 30, 40 yards from, and it's just spewing just god-awful, just hateful, just just nasty, gnarly smoke. I mean, just at, right out of the top, just right through the roof, and we're walking up on it. And it uh, the, that's when the smoke explosion happened. And crews had already started making an interior push. And uh, it was not a, it was not a coordinated attack. You know, it just it just had not had time to develop into that. It all happened so quickly and it lit off. And I mean, it just was like a fireball just came right out of the roof. And my captain directed a couple of the guys on the rig with me to go up and pull the boards off. And I'll never forget looking over and seeing when those boards, those plywood boards, when they hit the ground, there was a perfect square that was burning, was on fire, because that was the part of the plywood that was exposed directly to the open window. And uh, the house was actually a duplex, which you probably wouldn't have been able to tell from the front of the house. And I didn't even I know, write, I know what fire you're talking about. Pretty sure. Didn't even recognize that it was a duplex until I got to the back and we saw two back doors. Mm -hmm. One in the Bravo Charlie corner and then one in the uh, the the Charlie Delta corner. The Bravo Charlie, the Charlie Bravo, I should say, because it was technically on the Charlie. That door was actively burning on the lower half. My captain told uh, me and two other guys to go force that door on the uh, the Charlie Delta corner. And the guy that forced the door, he, he did a quick job forcing it, but he had not masked up yet. So when we forced it and the door swung in. He took a, a little bit of heat and a little bit of smoke in his face. So him and the number two guy in the stack, they flip-flopped real quick because that guy was masking up while the first guy uh, forced the door and the captain handed up the tick. Uh, 
and he uh, he he saw the uh, firefighter. He saw a silhouette of a person. We didn't know it was a firefighter yet, laying um, in the, on the floor. And about this time, all the radio chatters, you know, hey, I need a par. I need a par. Excuse me. We need a par. And uh, the guy yells back to my captain. He's like, I see somebody. Captain's like, go. Those two dudes crawl off into the darkness as I'm going in my portion of the stack up the stairs. My captain grabs my shoulder and says, uh, I think that's a firefighter. Find them and bring them back out this way. And I was like, you know, roger that. When I lost those two guys into in the smoke in the darkness, um, the firefighters down firefighters past device was just starting to wind up, and so I ended up having to go through some walls, some exposed studs, and I ended up making like a J, and I ended up at the firefighters' feet, and I could hear the other two firefighters uh, that I had made entry with. They were at the head, so I knew. All right, I knew I'm back with my guys. They knew where they were in relation to the building. They knew their way back out because they had used the camera to get in. And uh, so I remember looking down and the down firefighter's boot on his right foot was missing and his sock was burned off of his foot. And I remember thinking, man, this is so surreal. We're going to put our hands on this guy and he's going to hop up and he's going to, you know, trying to like brush us off. Like, hey, man, get off me. Where's my helmet at? Man, what happened? And I, but I remember looking down at his foot and I was like, I don't want to grab his foot because I don't want to sleeve him. I don't want to pull skin off. So I reached, you know, like, like, like this, my hands into his pant cuffs. And the two guys at the head getting ready to make their, you know, start making the pull towards the door. And they pulled him right out of my hands. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I, I, I hopped up a little bit, you know, and I just bear hugged him around his legs. And I just stoop walked all the way with him, all the way to the door. By that point, um, our captain had let notified everybody that, you know, this is, we had him, we had, you know, we had him in our possession. We were coming back out, what door we were coming out. You know, we were bringing uh, Oaks baskets around and everything else. And so when I got to the door, there was more than enough hands. And like I said, this was still also real in my mind. And this was one of the first lessons that I learned in this situation was, and we we talked, I, I had talked about it hundreds of times because I used to teach down firefighter training. It was, you know, it was a big thing with the Georgia Fools and it was becoming a really big thing is keep your head on a swivel. Don't be a moth to the flame. And I'm here to tell you right now that in a given situation, knowing what I knew then, I could have been on fire in that building and I would not have realized it because I became so hyper-focused. I never once stopped over any of my shoulders and look at what the conditions in the building were doing around me. I never once did. And so that was one lesson that, that, that is it's easier said than done. So anyways, we get to the door and more than enough hands. I quickly turn right back around, go back in, grab the tools that I had uh, dropped. Now, I, it's a small house, so I could see out the front now because the fire was, you know, all but out. And I can hear the ambulance coming down the street. So I poke my head out the front door and I see the five inches blocking the street. So I run out there with a couple other guys and we're dragging the five inch up against the curb. And um, you know, it all happened so fast. You know, the ambulance pulled up, the bed came out, the Stokes basket went on. The, the, you know, they, they loaded the guy up and he was gone. I mean, like it, it probably took less than 60 seconds and they were gone. 
And I remember seeing guys looking around me, you know, they were, they were very distraught over what had just happened. Um, they were very emotional and, and rightly so, but my captain did a great job of gathering us up and saying, no, not here, not now, not you guys. We're going to go in there. We're going to clean this up. We're going to get all this equipment put back up and then we're going to get out of here. And then we're going to go to the hospital and check on our guy. And I'm so thankful to this day that he held us to that because I think that that from a leadership perspective, not letting our emotions best of us in that situations. And I don't fault those other guys at all because it was a very emotional situation. Like I said, it was very surreal. But I'm thankful that he didn't let us. Um, some of the other lessons learned in all of that is that that fire could have happened anywhere USA. It wasn't like it was on the 67th floor of a skyscraper. It's not like it happened at the airport. Um, it's not like, you know, anything that you could, a lot of departments could say, eh, we don't have that. That was a single story duplex. Technically, it was um, a block construction. You may or may not have that, but that just really could have been a wood frame. Um, and so that was one of the big lessons learned. Accountability. And when you do PARs in the bitter get situations, you don't look at the back of people. We all look the same, relatively speaking, from the back. You look a man in his face. And because when those shit or get situations, there's no guarantee that everybody came out the same way. You might have had somebody that jumped out the back door when it lights up or, you know, a window. So you've got to you got to quickly, you know, get positive count of your people and you need to look them in the face, and make sure that they're OK. And then the big kind of final lesson was the 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 way it all unfolded. Um, as a department, I feel my department did not do a very good job of following up with any of us that went in after that firefighter that night. Nobody ever wanted. What's up, everyone? It's Austin again. Uh, real quick, uh, Captain Mannion wanted me to uh, plug the 575 Fools organization. If you're not familiar, they're an organization that's just basically all about the Brotherhood. Uh, they offer um, fellowship, uh, networking, as well as affordable training. Um, if you're interested, you know, feel free to. I assume that they're on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, they probably have a website, the Georgia Fools, the uh, 575 Fools. Um, I'm a shitty podcast host, so I forgot to ask that. That's my bad. Uh, but yeah, just uh, he wanted me to be sure to let you all know that they're always looking for good, hard-charging members and to give it a look. Uh, that is the 575 Fools. I appreciate you all listening.